You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Oliver Manalise Show. I am your host, Oliver Manalise, and if this is your first time here, this is where we have conversations with high achievers to discover how they navigate breakdowns and turn them into breakthroughs. We speak to world-class performers like entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, coaches, and leaders of all kinds. Before we dive in, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and find all the subscribed links at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. There you'll also get access to the full list of episodes and show notes from each show. If you've been getting value from the show, I would love to have you support us with a five-star rating on iTunes and writing us a review. We currently have 19 reviews for the show. Can you help us get to 30? If you do, hit me up with a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know and I will send you a special surprise. Today on the show, I'm very excited to have Tracy Ma. Tracy is a thriving senior project management consultant, social entrepreneur, and a successful real estate investor. She is the founder of Financial Nirvana Mama, a personal finance website that empowers women to take financial control, invest smarter, and create an amazing lifestyle. Her mission is to inspire women all over the world to stop settling in life, take action to do what they love to do, help and inspire them to kick ass and make their life amazing. She is a former environmental engineer. She left corporate life, her golden handcuffs, and a six-figure engineering career at 35 years old to pursue her many diverse interests. Like a cat with nine different lives, she's led lives like futures trader, model, tutor, real estate mentor, real estate investor during her 17-year career. Her notable experiences include visiting north of the 60th parallel to manage fascinating environmental remediation projects in the $100 million to $1 billion range. When she's not acting as a consultant, mother of twins, or real estate investor, she's taking mini sabbaticals to travel abroad and pursue personal projects. In her spare time, she loves getting muddy with her family at obstacle races. You can find more information about Tracy at financialnirvanamama.com, where she shares free tools, videos, and personal case studies on real estate investing. Together, we talk about her 11-year journey in real estate investing, why the traditional path wasn't fulfilling to her and what she decided to do about it, the importance of having financial security and being an example for her kids, how she incorporates many retirements, sabbaticals to take breaks, to travel, pursue her passions, and rest, relax, and play. She talks about how she had attended a personal growth workshop and literally she was thinking she was mentally and physically fine and then had this incredible epiphany that she shares more about. She talks about what it was like to not really know what she was doing when she left her career as an environmental engineer. She talks about the reason why she why she created Financial Nirvana Mama. She talks about her mission to empower women with financial literacy, financial intelligence, and her background and inspiration to do so. We talk about all this and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to share with you my conversation with Tracy Ma. Well, I'm, I'm really excited for you to be on the show. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that uh, inspires me about you is that you're a powerful business woman who is a mom, who is dedicated to supporting other women to empower them, especially with their financial literacy and investing. Um, I would love for context for people to know what your investing journey 
has has made possible for you as you are living it now? Well, it didn't start out with like unicorns or roses. I wasn't given like a silver spoon, but it all started actually when I was 20. And I started investing in stocks uh, during the tech bubble. And I actually learned how to do this because I learned how to do this in high school. And from that, I, you know, I, um, I made a bit of money, but then I sold it. And from that journey of also losing my entire scholarship in university, I was in a situation where I was pretty poor. Like I was in living in the most expensive city in Canada, which is Vancouver. And my parents aren't exactly like rich by any means, but rather we're from like for typical first generation immigrant family. And the only reason I got to Vancouver was because I had the scholarship. So Losing that scholarship in a way was a gift for me because it made me learn to invest. And that's why I started investing in stocks. And then after university, then accumulate a pile of student loan debt. And then I just I just started, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start hustling, like having two other jobs while I was working as an engineer. And I was going to conquer that debt. But then I realized, like, after finish killing my student loan debt, there's a much way, much smarter way of investing. And I started getting to real estate investing. So that's been 11 year journey. I started with uh, always buy and hold investments and just been accumulating them year after year after year until this point where it's, it's like, I've reached all the goals that I've wanted to, which is having a nest egg for my kids, making sure that their tuition's paid for, having a nest egg for myself, and um, ultimately giving me financial flexibility where I have the courage to they switch careers if I felt like, which I did in the middle of my journey. And then I went left engineering and then uh, just said, I'm going to, you know, literally just left engineering and said, like, I reached everything I need to do in engineering. Say, I want to try something new because I can. So, and then if there's jobs, like during the career, if jobs didn't serve me, I would just leave, right? It gave me just courage, like having that financial security and as well as being able to take breaks uh, because I felt like in the first part of my career, uh, starting out as an engineer, I was like, you know, pretty much, um, what's the word, but molded for like that career ladder. Like I did all these personal personality tests that the companies would get me to do and they would come out and they say, Oh, well, look at your, you're the executive hanger. Like, and so they would mold me to always say, okay, well, I'll be disappointed if you become a specialist engineer. I want to make sure you, you know, go into this position, this position. So they had a plan for me. And so um, early in my career, I was uh, sucked up into that game, the corporate ladder. And in the end, I realized it wasn't serving, like it wasn't really me. Like it's not what I want. I was just following the traditional path. And that traditional path is just not something that's fulfilling for me. Not saying it's like, you know, and um, from that now, I've, like I just try lots of different things. And having this financial security allows me to take that next step. And having my kids see me do this is the ultimate thing because I'm showing them that, you know, you don't have to be stuck if you choose to. You don't have to be stuck in this traditional path that society 
teaches us to do. Yeah, there's a lot that you um, just said, and there's, I mean, there, there, that's a huge story to unpack. <laughs> One of the things that I find uh, really powerful about how you actually demonstrate the, the power of financial freedom and financial security is, you know, how you, uh, you take this time off, like methodically, how yep. you go on obstacle races, you even include your your twins with uh, in the races as well and you're you know you have you have side projects you are you're doing so many different things all at once like how, how do you manage it all right now well i honestly have to take breaks <laughs> that's one thing i constrain myself where i only focus uh, every season has a reason so every season i switch i um i'm a I'm a, what's the word, a big time planner um, with life, not with uh, like day-to-day activities, but just annual planning. And so every season I focus on a few things. And within that season, it's, I, I always think of it as I have many hats. So I play different characters. So when I'm at home, I think, okay, I'm going to put my mom hat on. Right. Uh, because especially with my kids, I'm like, okay, I gotta be my mom. I'm like, I own, and, and I think of what can I do to be the best mom at this point right now? So I try to be in the present. So I block time to be a mom. And then, then, uh, I have like date nights with my husband, I block time for that. And then, um, as well, you taught me like, you know, taking self care, like taking that time out for yourself on like every few weeks has been instrumental because, when you have so much going on and you always want to operate at the certain level, it can, you can, you know, start burning you up. No matter. So you got to take that self care where you take that four hours or five hours to just be with yourself. So I do the float tanks where I literally pay to go into this tank, which is sensory deprivation, which is like a closet and like a float in water. I can't believe I pay for this, but it honestly is so helpful for me to just, it's like, it's like um, turbocharge meditation for me. Right. And so I try to eliminate the distractions as well as um, if things start, I mean, this happens of course, when you do a lot, things start to be overwhelming. Um, I start, I don't ignore it anymore. So before doing all this over the years, you know, since I was 20, having multiple, I've always had multiple things going on, like in it's a career with side projects. And I've lived, I think over the 17 years working, I think I've lived nine different lives. And what I've learned from doing all this is that I always, if I don't, oh, for the first big portion of my career, I had lots of massive health issues. And I ignored it. So like pounding headaches and uh, racing hearts and heart palpitations and just eruption to get sick like every single month for a week. And I couldn't get out of bed. And I I just ignored it. Like really, because I I went to the doctors. There's nothing they could do for me. They were just like, well, is it stress? I'm like, I didn't think it was at that time. And... Uh, I did all the blood work. I got my heart scan, everything. And I just, enough, everything came up normal. So to me, it's like, oh, my silly engineering brain. I'm like, well, well, my 
physically, like, like, I mean, my blood work shows is all good. So I ignored it. I'm like, whatever, I'm going to go exercise more versus addressing the fact that there's something bothering me. That's actually um, propagating the health issues. And so now when I do get into a state of feeling like something's nagging at me, I'm going to just, I'm going to start, I acknowledge it. Like I actually acknowledge what's, what's going on. Like I actually dig deeper and become much more self-aware that there's things that are bugging me. I think that's such an important point. Mm -hmm. What you raise is the fact that so many of us, just because we are human, we, for some reason, push through mm -hmm. when, we're, when we're going through uh, these periods of, of stress. And we might not even identify it as stress, but we might have all the symptoms of you know, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, having trouble sleeping, feeling yes. exhausted, feeling burnt out. We might not have the language to actually express what it is. But you know, one of the things that I always share with my clients is if you look at an animal, in the wild, what do mm -hmm. they do when they're sick? Mm -hmm. They lie down. They don't do yeah, anything. Exactly. Exactly. And then they get back up when they're when they're ready. Yeah. What so was it, like? What What was in your world during that time when that was happening? Like, what was you know? How much time were you spending um, in your work and your personal life and, and, and into what? So you're talking. Are you asking about the days when I was like stressed out? And, stressed out. And you didn't oh. know. And you didn't know it. No. Didn't know it. Oh yeah. man, I didn't sleep. Like I would not sleep. I, could, I had insomnia and I would just push through it. I'm like, oh no, this is the way it should be. You know, I was in a, it was in a world where the environment cultivated that. So I see my coworkers and I'll be in there middle of the night in the office. They have kids. They come in, uh, work till like seven. Then they go home for dinner to be with their family and they'll come back. So from 10 at night, they'll come into the office and they'll do like three, four hours of work again. And I'm there. So it, it was not like I, I guess I didn't see like that was wrong. Right. And so to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I operate like that. Right. So mm. it, it costed me lots. It costed me, you know, my relationship with my husband. Thankfully, I'm still with him. Uh, at that time, I had, you know, kids. It I had a nanny and basically like I felt like, you know, I had the mom guilty trip, you know, like then I'm like, I'm never seeing my kids. I'm traveling 50 percent of the time. But in the middle of it, I just said, well, I'm just it didn't dawn on me. I know it's, it, from the outside looking in, you're like, oh, yeah, super obvious. But <laughs> <laughs> Everyone could see it, I'm sure. But from me, from my perspective, I'm like. Well, I just got this, I just erupted into this raspberry rash all over me. I mean, whatever is just, you know, must be like allergies or something. Like I didn't think these triggers uh, meant anything more. And what was motivating you at that time to, to, to push through? Push through? Because I love, I, I guess sucked into that Kool-Aid. I drink the Kool-Aid of getting that next promotion, you know, like it's a winning, it's like, you it's an addiction like when you're winning and you know you're doing it well you just keep you, you if you're someone who wants to keep you know reaching higher and higher 
and you're in that environment that allows you to do that but may you don't realize that maybe that you know keep going getting that promotion like oh yes i'm going to get that director job and then i'm going to be senior director and then i'm going to be this and i'm going to be vp like uh you you don't it's hard to take a step back and say like is that really what i want to do you know cuz like traditionally from my parents and parents are typical first generation immigrant family they they emphasize on like they they're like when i was younger i didn't get these options like i brought you to canada right and so there's this pressure you need to succeed and so, so it's we, coming from all over the place all over like fa- like i'm not saying there's no it's it's nothing against my family i'm just saying that um we're all like a lot of us are just brought up like that's our traditional path you know you go to a job you get promoted then you know like you're supposed to like you know not be grateful for it and i was grateful i was just i got sucked up into that world and not taking a step back like i think you emphasize a lot about taking space for yourself and i never allowed that space i think the only space where i started thinking about it was on the plane ride so my plane rides cuz i'm traveling 50% time and most of the time when i'm on the plane i'm working but there might be an occasional like blip in time where I'm like have a I guess like a a brain fart. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think is this it's a release? Really, it's a release. Yeah. It's really <laughs> like literally a brain fart and you're like like uh, uh is this really for me? And actually when I started listening to my coworkers who are like they would say like why are you here Tracy? Like they could see it. They're like, uh, "Why are you here? You know, you. I know you invest in real estate. Like, you could be doing what you, whatever you want to do. Why are you here? Like, they would even straight out say that to me. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it, it's also because I also had this mega goal in my engineering days where I want to work on this billion dollar mining project. And it had to be specifically mining. It had to be a billion dollars. And it had to be an environmental catastrophe. Sexy. Yeah, sexy. Like, it was like my dream because I felt like I could do so much as an environmental engineer. And I got to that point. And then at the, once I reached it, I was just like, yeah, it's true. I don't know what else I'm going to do. Like, you know, when you have this vision, you get, you get propelled to it. And then once you're there, you're like, hmm, you know, what's next? Or... Is was that really... the wake-up call to change things, or was was there something else that happened for you to be like, "Wow, I am burning myself out, burning myself out. I'm in this trajectory, and if I keep going this way, it's not going to end up well." Like, what what was it that changed the course of your of your life? Changed well. There's a couple things. Yeah. Um, one of them was I. Was the, is the health issues. That's really it. I was starting to get these massive racing hearts. Like I'd be watching TV with like watching movie with my husband and my hearts just starts like pounding, like pounding so hard. Like it felt like it was really literally pushing its way out of my chest. You know, like that feeling like when you go down the stairs and you miss a step, like it was just going on and on. And, and that's like when I started realizing it's really hurting my heart. And I, and I didn't connect it with work. I just thought, holy smokes, I'm having a heart attack or am I having a stroke? And I have a family history 
of heart attacks and strokes where people die in my family, 40 years old. So I thought, wow, is this happening to me? So I'll go to the doctors and all that. And I tried pushing through it. Like you're saying, like, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start. And, and also other things, I was picking up bad habits. I was drinking more. I was smoking. I was, I loved, you know, like I'm a very social person. So there's any time going to the bar at night, I'd be up there with my coworkers up north drinking and we would drink and be up all night <laughs> and then go to a meeting the next day. But it's that cycle where I couldn't sustain it. It's like you play, you, you work hard and you play hard. And I started realizing it was, it was costing me. And what did it cost you? You cost- said that before. Yeah costing my health costing my relationship with my husband because and and costing like felt like I was losing precious time with my kids because when I come home how old were they at that time like three two or three right that really young age and um I could see myself uh being that old lady with a Porsche with a smoke in her hand and and being fat I know we we laugh at that, but that's really, I mean, I can sense how dark that future actually is for you. Mm -hmm. And also dying early. That was a big one. And also, um, I was a very not not a good person. Like, I felt like I was so irritated every time coming home. You know, it just like I was just like such a monster. Uh, I realized like that's just not me and you know yelling at my husband for the littlest thing and getting agitated with the smallest like oh the the kitchen's like oh there's I guess there's an expectation like for me when I'm working all these hours come home like why is dinner not ready and I just be like going crazy and I like the dishes everywhere I was just like oh my god it's just so much I became a monster right and it was it was only after taking the space where I went to, you know, like a Philip, Mc, Philip McKernan's personal development event. That was the, the first, one that we met at. The one we met at. That was okay. the first time I've ever done anything like that and taken the time to be completely aware of my situation. And it is inspired by the, you know, one last talk where all these speakers were talking about their story. And I saw myself, in their story where they're burning out, you know, they're uh, gaining weight I, I, or, or they're like getting super unhealthy and they're not seeing their kids. And I was just like, wow. And then, then they talk about, you know, their panic attacks. I'm like, I like, I've like totally, I was in that situation. I was crying in that middle of those, those, that one last talk, like hearing the stories and just thinking of the, where I was at. Cause I thought I was pretty, I thought physically, and mentally, I was fine. I'm like, I'm just going to go to this event. I'm like, I don't know. Someone like um, recommended it to me. And I was just like, it's just whatever. But I didn't think how much it would impact me. And I was, I was writing this letter to my grandma that really hit home for me. Where she's been my mentor my entire life. Where she's always uh, suggested and encouraged me not to be so hard on myself. To, like, for example, when I was a young kid, um, at some point, I started being molded into this Asian, you know, as part of this 
Asian success plan, you know, where you grades and education are like number one, right? And my grandma saw me, saw that like, I was really hard on myself. Like, my parents never said, oh, you must get 100%, whatever. It was all me. But mm-hmm. I'm, I was, but I was surrounded in this society, this small Chinese. It's kind of enculturated. Yeah, it's enculturated. It's like it's like I was in Regina, a small Chinese community. All my Asian friends, Chinese friends, were all like doing so well, and thankfully they were not in the same school as I was, because I would like, suck <laughs> against them. But <laughs> I was in, I was in the in the a different school. But anyway, to say, just being surrounded by that environment, you got to get top grades, you got to get a scholarship, you got to go to university, you got to either be an engineer, lawyer, doctor, like that environment, I then like drank the Kool-Aid. I drank that Asian success plan. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was really hard on myself where um, I started doing well in school. And then I was like, I wanted more. I wanted to get, I would say to myself, I'm going to get 100% of this exam. Like, I don't know why. I would. Expecting perfection. Expecting perfection. And so my grandma saw this. And I would be crying um, in the bathroom because I, I was worried I wasn't going to get 100% on my exam. And she just came to me in my bathroom and, like, looks at me. She's like, Tracy, like, stop being so hard on yourself. Like, grades are not important. She said, like, I used to be like you, you know, back in the day. I used to, like would cry if I get number two, but you know what? That's not important in life. And my grandma's like gone through war, famine. She's lost two sons. You know, she's held, been held hostage in her house back in China. She survived war. So like, you know that she, and she kept telling me all these stories of her life and it, it resonated. Like it, I didn't think about it back then, but now you know, when I was in that space at the a personal development uh, event and one last talk, I realized, wow, like my grandma has been always saying to me. Is it, That's like when it landed for you. It totally landed. Like it just all connected to dots. Like Tracy, you. I want, I want to reiterate something that you said. And yeah. I think it's so important. You thought mentally and physically and spiritually you were fine. Yeah. And I think that's something that most people might not realize is that it's it's this sense of the fact that it's invisible to us mm-hmm. it's invisible to us how much pain we're actually going through sometimes and how much struggle we're going through and sometimes it just takes a space an environment like that and that invisible becomes visible and now you're like oh my god i've been what have, what have i been doing to myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly so what happened after after writing that letter and having that oh man be well i literally like drove back home from toronto and i was on a phone with my husband i said i'm quitting my job i'm quitting engineering and he's like okay i support you like i don't know why like i was just like first i was like super afraid to tell him that there was no and, lead up to it. There was no like talks for weeks or months. No, like, no. Oh, I think I'm tired like, of this. I think I might be done. It was just like all of a sudden. Yeah, I just knew. I'm like, it's not for me. I reached what I need to reach the engineering. I'm going to go in literally next day to the office. I'm going to hand in my resignation. And my husband's like, okay, well, I'll support you. Uh, you, know, you know, maybe you want to just think, tell them maybe you want to take a year of leave. And I'm like, 
no, I really want to quit. And he's like, and, and <laughs> I, I did follow his because I thought I need to he- meet a happy medium where, um, you know, he, he wants me to make sure like I'm making, you know, it's obviously it seems like very impulsive. It's like buyer's remorse, right? Like, yeah, I right? have a little bit of a buffer time. <laughs> He's just like, okay, but just take a one-year sabbatical. I'm like, fine, okay. But, like, in my head, I was ready. I, like, I was done. I handed in my resignation. Like, my heart was racing, and my my brain was telling you, run. Like, But when I finally handed in that resignation, and they, they and to, well, in my mind's resignation, they saw it as a one-year leave of absence. It was like a sense of relief. Like they signed it. It was happened within two hours of me getting into the office. All the papers were signed. And it was just like a, like a calmness start to take root. Like all of a sudden, I just like my from from being super hyper nervous from like having racing hearts. And then all of a sudden, I'm super chill. Like that was it wow. is it's just such a I don't know how to describe that moment, but I knew intuitively is the right decision and from and it's the first time in my life I actually didn't have a plan like I literally had no plan and and, and anyone who knew me like as a close friend would say Tracy what are you up to like I have no idea and they're like are you sure there's something in like you know they think oh no no you have something you have something I'm like no no I have no idea I just need to take the space Take the year off and I'll figure it out. And that's really, really scary because I'm like literally leaving, you know, uh, a really nice job with immediate promotions, a a career trajectory that they like basically molded for me. Uh, Guaranteed like... You saw your whole future. Yeah, so my future just basically like, it's like losing identity. It was was a big change because as I went into the one-year sabbatical, there was points of time, like, it's not easy to tra- change. And I spent a lot of night, awesome time with my kids just before they went to school to junior K, junior kindergarten. But for me, I was like, lost for a couple months where I'm like, wow, I'm afraid to tell, uh, like to go to parties and stuff. Because people are gonna ask me, well, what, what's going on? Like, where are you up to? Like, I, and I literally yes. say, I don't know. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, like, then you kind of feel like you lost that sense of identity. You're like, and, and, uh, it became lonely too, <laughs> where I'm like, oh, well during the day I didn't have anyone to hang out with cause all my friends are working. So it was a bit of, it was a tough transition, but at the end, like after a few months, I got the hang of it. But I mean, it's not easy. And I still go through that. Because how many years of momentum did you stop right there? Like how many years before in the the career? Yeah. Oh, uh, I like 13, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. So for 14 years, you're living this lifestyle. You have this identity. You have this career trajectory and you just completely walked away from it. Yes, exactly. That is frightening. It's super frightening. And... I, I mean, I take many, many retirements right now and it's still, I still have trouble doing it. Every time I take that break, it's like, well, you know, but now I actually kind of know what I'm going into, what I'm going to do during that break. But that first time, that one year sabbatical, I had no idea. And it was ultimately scary. Uh, What do you recommend for people who are, um, 
in that right now who are just about to take a leave of absence or quit or they've already quit and they're taking that space to kind of discover what it is they want next for themselves. Looking back from where you are now, what kind of suggestions would you give? I would say, I think, um, for me, I kind of knew it was coming like, well, it's not like as much as I like to say, yeah, I, I, for sure. Physically, I l quit engineering the very next day after that seminar, but I think there's been a, a mental discussion in my head for a year or so or two where I said, well, I've always wanted some flexibility. I'd be curious to know, like, how would, how, what would I do if I switch careers or do whatever? And I thought, okay, well, from a pragmatic perspective, I was getting myself financially ready. So I started living off of my, um, just already um, changing our, my husband and my lifestyle where I said, well, let's see what, what we could do if we just won salary. It was just on my husband's salary, right? And of course, I had my real estate investing that was supplementing my income, but by, it's not by any means replacing my income, like so far from it. But um, I, I knew that from a retirement or from a nest egg and from my kids' tuition and um, security perspective, like it was is there. Like for the future, it was pretty much like I'm fine. It's just day-to-day -day expenses. I'm like, okay, well, I got to get myself prepared. So I started uh, for a year living off one salary. And uh, just started saving up some money. And then um, as as for someone who is considering, like, leaving, I'd be thinking, like, well, what's the worst that would happen? Kind of, like, you got to think, well, what's the worst that would happen? Like, so what? Um, say whatever you did and you decide to leave your career. Think of it as an experiment. Don't think as anything as permanent. And say to yourself, like, you can always go find another thing. Like you got to believe that you will figure the way, the way or the how. Okay. Um, it, and also for me was if I didn't, I knew if I didn't do it, I would live a life regret of regret. And so I would rather fail and try, tried and fail than to say I didn't try at all. Right. So I want to look back and say, yeah, I did that versus, Oh, I wish I did that. And from a, a very practical tool to do is, say you do want to leave your career. Well, I know you're going to probably be like mentally just having so many thoughts, good and bad, about leaving your career, taking that break. So write it down. Start writing, okay, this is like, I want to leave my job or leave my career. And then in the second column, think of all the good and bad thoughts that come up. That's the second column. And then the third column on the piece of paper is write down, are you going to let, um, what can you do? Uh, are you going to let each of these reasons stop you? Like, what can you do to get, overcome each of those obstacles? Like, those good and bad thoughts. Like, And then start crossing it off if you feel like, yeah, no, I can, I can figure out how to, you know, financially save money. I can figure out that... Uh, you know, like uh, I can always go find a job. I mean, start as you start crossing off all those things that could be holding you back, and the one that doesn't hold, the one that doesn't um you don't cross off. You got to ask yourself: Are you going to let that stop you? Right. So that's just a practical way of getting through it too. And I go through that a lot. <laughs> 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 but uh, and I, so. I, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's huge for people because I think um, we we crave freedom for so long, and then when it gets there, we're not quite sure if we don't have someone guiding us or 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 sharing with us their their own experience. We're not quite sure how to navigate those waters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. I, I would love to know what happened afterwards. So so you start to get the hang of it. You're doing the one salary thing. Yeah. Well. I, so like in the middle of my sabbatical, I kind of got lost. And again, like where, um, I love investing The just maybe it's like this financial security thing. Like I need a lot of it. So I started, um, getting into trading and it's what's, what's crazy is that I forgot about the letter I wrote to my grandma. My gra- I wrote a letter to my grandma saying that I was going to pursue a life uh, filled with fulfillment and meaning rather than a career driven by money. And But during the sabbatical, I also forgot about this letter. And then so I was just like getting sucked up in this trading world. And I was a futures trader. So I trade oil contracts. And that was during the oil crash. And so I saw opportunity. And then... Um, at the end of it, I realized that wasn't for me. Like I was pushing buttons on a screen to make money and it wasn't contributing anything back to the world. And I was like, okay. So there was a bit of, again, identity crisis where I was like, oh, I'm a futures trader. But in the end, I'm like, no, I'm, and then, and, uh, after failing that, like, I mean, I, like financially it was fine, but like actually like changing that identity again like no I'm not a futures trader it was a big switch for me and then I realized that I have other skill sets to offer and I took a lot of space to think about what can I use my skill sets from engineering and from managing you know uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of pro like it was a one billion dollar project but annually so 300 million dollars involved what can I use that to as well as be a student of life where I'm a professional student, where I'm constantly learning. And that's where it drew, drove me to this career of being a project management consultant, where I'm in a completely new career and every team I manage, they are teaching me as much as I'm helping them. Like I'm helping a lot of people, but they're teaching me about their, their business or their technology, about their software. It's just such a, it's such an inspiring and um, I feel like I'm a student of life. It's like a, a win-win situation. And as well, my uh, uh, an, an unexpected outcome of taking these breaks is that seeing my husband transform because my kids are also, they're seeing this. And so they, they're getting into more uh, races and my husband's starting his side business and my kids are like more entrepreneurial. It's just seeing all that and it's been... Do you, th- I, do you think mm-hmm. that that has a lot to do with the the changes that you made? Mm-hmm, for sure. Because I have this mantra, mantra I try to do with my kids where I say... I, I tell them to look in the mirror and I say, um, I am beautiful and I am strong, and I can do whatever I put my mind to, right? Mind to it, right? So I say that to my kids, and then I'm thinking, how can I tell them to believe that they can do whatever they want if they put their mind to it, if I don't show them that I can do that? 
So you really need to, it's like, it's like, it's a, this integrity issue where, wow, I'm telling my kids something, but I'm not necessarily doing that. So that's propelled me to do what I need to do. And I, and I always think of what's the worst case scenario. If I do something, I think of everything as a, an experiment. It's like, uh, failure is a result and you can learn from it and you can pivot. And so if I try all these different experiences and I fail, that's okay because I can learn from it. There's something that I always learn from a failure. And I've always had this big fear of failure growing up. And now I'm like, it's okay now. It's not like I, it's still scary. Don't get me wrong. But I, ta- I have a different perspective of failure now. Yeah, you seem more willing to let things go. For sure. Yes. Yeah. And before I would never let things go. <laughs> You br- you bring up your twins, your daughters, and the example that you're setting. And I know there's a lot of women who listen to the show, um, ambitious women, entrepreneurial women, their mothers. And I would love to know from your perspective, what you know, what do you notice, you know, the fellow women and mothers and female entrepreneurs doing, and and like what are what are the gaps? that they have like what's missing in in their world mm, a lot of it's uh not taking the time for themselves is one thing uh second thing is uh what i've noticed from being in that financial personal finance space is that um a lot of them don't think about taking financial control until much later in life and they're always like so for example i'd be sitting at a meet, uh, like networking event or just getting my hair done. I'm like, how come I didn't meet you 10 years ago? Like, it's like, it's like, uh, money. There's no, there's no open conversations about money and investing. Well, I can talk to like a random guy about stocks (laughs) or about investments, but I can't have the same conversations with my friends or from women in general, uh, as much. And so, I love to change that dynamic. I love them to have that because I feel like as as we're like nurturers, like we want to make sure like when, for example, when I was pregnant, I was like nesting. I was like making sure the room had its nursery and and I, I made sure there's like all these packed, you know, clothes and food and we're like just nurturers and it's like same with money like okay i gotta accumulate my nest egg you know and um i feel like there's uh there's a women in general not in general but a lot of them don't know even where to start investing and so that's where sometimes that a lot of times it's like well yeah sure i'd love to take that break but financially i'm not capable of or I wish I could do that, but um, my I my job is where you know I need to live, right? I need to live. So it's like when you start investing, you allow yourself this financial security to allow give you more courage to take that next step or change tra- trajectories, right? It's leaving the comfortable zone, getting what comfortable. Do you, how do you suggest they get started? get started with um, investing or yeah, with, in, with investing, with understanding their money and nurturing their money and nurturing their money. Well, they could come to financial Nirvana mama as a website. Absolutely. That's why you're here. 
Yeah, that's why I'm here. But no, uh, also they could read just books, uh, watch videos, get in that space, being surrounded by other women who are doing it. I think that's really, uh, for me, you know, looking back at how I got to this point is because I saw other women doing it. I saw my, you know, like my girlfriend, she was like years younger than me and she already had two rental properties. Like, what? She's only like 28. And I was like, uh, like, whoa, okay, well, there is something that I'm missing. And so um, also seeing my great aunt who was a beggar in China, because back in the, in the Cultural Revolution, if you're rich, you were, ex- like your family was, oh, part of your family was executed, right, for being wealthy. And that's what happened to my family back in China. So my great aunt became a beggar overnight, like uh, begging for food and money in the streets. And then she came down, she found a way, working minimum wage, lived in Vancouver, and over time she started buying real estate with her husband and became multimillionaire, and she's doing very well now. But just seeing other people do that is motivating. So I think, like, with women, let's just be surrounding yourself with people who do that, who do, like, are um, financially savvy, who talk about, are willing to talk about uh, how to invest and, my website, you know, does that. I share lots of videos and articles about that and even talk about things like um, how to start investing with just $25 because you got to get into the habit. It's calculated risk taking, but if you start doing something with small, then you start getting comfortable with the, the uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to start investing money. And then, but once you get used to it, you're like, you know, the formula and you can you can grow from there, but you need a starting point. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, what if they don't? Don't. What does it look like? Like I want to, I, I want oh. you to share kind of what's the, re- pe- people could think, yeah, save money. Okay. Invest my money. And people just think of it as like, okay, this is a strategy, but at the heart of it, there's something so much more profound that has moved you in the direction that you have taken. So I would love to know, like, what's the consequences of not doing it? And, and, and what are some important drivers that we need to be aware of that kind of will motivate us to, to take action and actually do the things that you recommend? Well, seeing what your future, you can, I, all of us can see what our future looks like, right? And so I think use your imagination. So for me, I saw myself divorced from my husband, um, being like, say not, not obviously nothing to do with investing, but just being the person I was back then, uh, if I didn't change, I could see being divorced with my husband and I could see myself growing older and wrinkly with smoke in my hand with a Porsche. Like that was scary to me. And also having this immense regret in life where there was a book by Bronnie Ware where she said um, the number one regret of elderly patients in their last few weeks of their lives was, I wish I had the courage to do, to live a life that I want to live rather than the life that was expected of me. So, you know, when you when you hear all this and then you use your imagination and you can see in the future of um, a lot of grandparents or great grandparents who do regret the things that they wish they would have done. Well, you could see yourself in that position. You're like, man, I just wish I just tried that career or switched to this uh, new path. Or, and um, that's what I'd say. It's like, do you do you want to live an inspiring, interesting life, or 
Uh, like that's what you get then you have to take that step or you're accepting the fact that you know when you're 70 years old looking back you're like oh I wish I did that or I wish I didn't let that stop me you know just let things go wow mm-hmm. yeah I think people can can visualize their own futures right now as they listen to you so why investing in particular why is that the vehicle i think of it as a tool because i it's like the sub i think is the maslow's hierarchy of needs you got to have uh you know uh security and i forgot all the hierarchies but the, the 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 first two or three is all about basic needs, meeting basic needs, having that security blanket. And then as you progress up, then you can read to your ultimate um, self-potential or um, self-actualization. So it's just human nature that a lot of times, if you think about what stops you, and I'm not saying it's always, but a lot of times it's, it's money. And money is a big is a big thing with divorce. You know, it's a big instigator of divorce they always have you know have fights about money and also like people I've you know just thinking about my friends and and people I know a lot of times I say no I can't do that because well I have obligations I have this house to pay for like I mean they chose it's like keeping up with the Joneses right you have Instagram and you got to look a certain way and then you get sucked up in that vortex of uh, having to keep up with the Jonesies and say, oh, yeah, I, I'm in this, for example, I'm in this career where, yes, I'm a big shot, I don't know, like senior director or whatever, DG or whatever, like a VP. Yeah, I got to drive that nice car because it's com- it comes with the identity. It's like I got to drive the Porsche and then I got to have the million dollar house. It's a perception. But then say you're not happy with your job as your VP, for example. Now you're stuck in this position where you have the expensive car the, and the expensive house and you're like, no, I can't switch my job or I can't take this new career because I have obligations and obligations. So I think investing smartly, being just more mindful of having clarity, ultimately clarity of what's important to you helps you make, I guess, financial decisions a lot easier and knowing like that you know is this Porsche really worth it or is this house really worth it worth it or is my life worth it right hmm (laughs) now I think when it comes to money it is we have a dysfunctional compulsive relation to it Mm -hmm. so many of us it's fear-based it's scarce it's not enough how do you suggest that we transform that relationship that we have with money. I mean, you see it as a tool. Yeah. It's a tool. It's a resource. Um, it creates choice for me where, you know, some people might look at money and they see it in a completely different way. How do you suggest we kind of, we change that? Change that. Well, it's taking the space to, to think about what's really absolutely important to you. When you realize what's important to you, like, okay, happiness. Well, happiness does, doesn't, doesn't cost money. Uh, health. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, happy and it's a choice. Uh, it's also like, what are the most, uh, like the five has, happiest days in your life? 
It could be sitting down with your kids and um, having these high, very awesome conversation. And they just were so happy. Or my one of my, the happiest days of my life was when I was dancing with my kids. They were only like three years old. We were in, in Whistler. No, that was Whistler. A Montremblant. And there was this concert, an open concert there. And my kids just started breaking out in this dance. And I love dancing. And I was just like, oh, my God. The kids are just like, no fear, just like strutting to dance. And, and then they pulled me in. I was dancing with them. And that's where I realized that's like one of my happiest days of my life because it was so spontaneous, involved dancing. It's just so in the flow. I realized like that has nothing to do with money. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing to do with like I had this fancy Porsche. You just realize that that moment in time is just so important. Now, how do I how do I when you think back as to what's important to you? Well, how do you make more of that? It's basically you need time. Right. And so I feel yeah. money buys me time and I could create more moments of that. And, um, you know, having like engaging conversations with my kids and my husband so when you know that, then then you're like, you could make more mindful decisions when it comes to your spending. Like, do I really, you know, really need that Louis Vuitton purse? Because <laughs> I know all my friends, a lot of our friends have it. And I've like sucked in that Kool-Aid and I did want it at some point. <laughs> but like, but that's like $3,000. <laughs> I could do a lot. Jesus. <laughs> I don't I don't have context when it comes to the price of purses, but that's incredible. I'd buy a MacBook before I do that. Right, exactly. But you you know what's important to you. You know that the MacBook can perform. (laughs) Create create uh, keeps you productive, but it's just being mindful that if you do do that, what does that take away from? Um, Mm. And I rather build that. You know. I'm all about building that security blanket so that I can pivot at any point in my life or I see an opportunity and I have the financial means to take up that opportunity or I want to take six months off. I want to take that six months off, right? So so for you, it's what what do I value? And you, most of the time you're going to notice that it really requires just more time to be able to allow some of those things like health and happiness and time with family and working on your money situation actually frees up the time so that you can do those things. And mm-hmm. you're, you're, sw- you're switching gears, you're pivoting careers, you are uh, taking sabbaticals when you want, which is like, that, that, that is true freedom to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you suggest is one thing we can stop doing and what's one thing we can start doing when it comes to us and money? Hmm. Stop doing is, I would say social media is a big culprit of seeing what's, you know, we're always in this situation where like, oh, the the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And, you know, I think like Instagram and Facebook, you're like, oh, look at that nice car or that brand new, I, I, it's just like you, you feel like, oh, you get sucked into, and, and I'm, <clears throat> I drink the Kool-Aid a lot. So I, I purposely <laughs> stop myself from, you know, spending a lot of time on social media because I get caught up in it. And I think a lot of it is, um, 
spending more time with yourself, being with yourself. I know it's like, it's probably like, what are you talking about? Like, like honestly, like seriously, just read a book or um, spending some time on yourself, going out for a walk and just evaluating what's really important to you. Uh, taking that space to really define your values, it really gives you insight that, you know, you become more mindful and conscious possibly with your saving. And a practical thing as to what you can do is automating your money. Meaning when I was younger, I read some books. Thankfully, my friends passed it to me and it was opening multiple savings accounts. You can do that with a bank. Not many people know that. They think, oh, I only have one savings account and one checking account. No, you when you, you could open many savings accounts and each savings account you could say has a reason for it. There's a goal for it. So making just having financial goals, say one of it is my vacation money. The other savings account is uh, my spending money. And the other savings account um, is for uh, say you want to go back to school, for whatever that is. And then every paycheck that comes in it just gets split into these multiple savings accounts. And so you pay yourself first. So in the end, you're like, oh, okay, we'll only have so much for spending. And that's all I am allowed to spend. That can that helps just eliminate any like uh, decision making like, oh, my God, I, you know, I got to buy that, you know, $2,000 purse. You're like, oh, well, I don't have it. I don't have the money for it. You know? <laughs> It seems so unreasonable every time I hear that. <laughs> oh, it's I. I love that you say that taking space and taking time for yourself um, are such a high thing. Like you reiterated over and over again, and not many people would think that there's an impl- like a financial implication to that. Like a, a just just doing that will have such a huge impact. And for you, who has you're managing a huge portfolio, you have a family, you have your consulting business, you're taking sabbaticals. And one of the biggest pieces of advice is to take space. Like to me, that says so much about how much of a role it's played for you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I was, I was saying that um, because all of us, a lot of us are just, eh, we get caught up in our routines. And then, uh, I know some people call it, the, it's like a hamster wheel. You just go through the emotions of life and uh, you come home from work, you watch TV, you cook your dinner, you serve your kids dinner and then, you know, you take a shower and go to sleep. Okay, you do that for days on end, all of a sudden years pass by, decades pass by and you're like, whoa, (laughs) did I take the step back to gain some clarity? Is this the direction I want to go? And so that's why I'm saying taking that space to think, reflect on life. Um, it's hard because you're like, oh, it, it's not like easy. I should to... be doing something. <laughs> yeah, I should be doing something. <laughs> right. You're like, I got to move on. Like, oh, my God. Um, But it's you got to take that first step to gaining clarity. Even if I say, like, have a draw out your vision in life. Um, I personally struggled with drawing a vision of my life many, many times because I felt like it could change, but you got to start somewhere and it's okay for your vision to change, but at least Mm -hmm. you have a starting point. All of us are always caught up with the hows and like, like, Oh, I need to do this. I know I I have to, how I'm going to figure that out, but they don't necessarily figure out the what and the why 
why are you doing this and what are you doing this for? So it takes space to think that is the upfront planning and taking that space to do that. And I do that in my project management consulting life. Like bro, if you're in a, um, always wanting to just get results, instant gratification, which is doing, 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 executing you, you're like immense action takers or whatever, but what you didn't do the upfront planning, you didn't do the upfront visioning, you didn't do even know what what problem you're solving for, we're well, going to be heading the wrong direction. And of course, your project's going to fail because it's like not where you're supposed to go. So that's why I emphasize that like I take the space with my teams and do this, all these exercises of gaining clarity of where they want the projects to go and why they're what problems are solving. And I do that. With, and that applies to life space and clarity so huge mm -hmm. how um in what ways have you been supporting people supporting share with us yeah uh, share with us how, how you've been supporting people with financial nirvana mama you have a lot of things going on you got your course that's starting in a couple of weeks yes uh well i was mentoring part-time investors on how to buy their first or next rental property so they accelerate their journey to financial nirvana and i'm also doing these um workshops for young women which is to gain financial literacy and also at the end because a lot of them are going to come out wanting to buy their first property so it's about how to buy your first property without breaking the bank so but thriving amazingly in life, not just exams. So I'm doing all that because I feel like I have something to offer to help people. Who Who is the right person? Like who is the right woman or young woman to be seeking out your information, your advice, your well, teachings? Uh, young, ambitious women are driven. Um, they're driven and want more they know they want more and they don't know what yet but i'm helping them with hey i'm gonna let's get yourself set off financially in the right course because you'll mm -hmm. eventually figure out like what career you want to take or so and side and business owners too and entrepreneurs but um a lot of the the people who want to buy their first or next rental property are people who are who have careers and they're okay mm -hmm. with it. They want to stay in their careers, but they also want this added bonus of like making um, having more freedom or having more options and building that legacy for their kids or building the nest egg for themselves. You're really involved in teaching and advising and mentoring around money, around investing, around real estate. From your perspective, what do you see is missing in the whole financial education or even real estate investing education space? What's missing? Uh, a, a couple things. I First is uh, gaining clarity on what you want investing to do for you. So I emphasize a lot when I'm mentoring people is taking that space to figure out what you want to accomplish and why you want to do it. Like each property you purchase for has to be for a reason and it's getting you closer to what you want to achieve. So I emphasize a lot in gaining clarity and building a business plan and treating it like a business. That's one part. The second part is that in this real estate investing space, um, as I'm 
going to some of these networking events, I mean, I meet people who like spent their entire down payment on these courses. I don't, I don't want to label, I don't oh. want to, I know, like it doesn't, it, that drives me nuts. And I'm, they're asking me for help. They've spent like $20,000 on these courses, yet they're seeking still help. So there's this uh, slimy, <laughs> scammy, I don't, it's not, I can't say scammy, but whatever it is, it just makes me mad that if you're wanting to help people, well, you're also, you know, draining their accounts so that they can't even buy their next rental property or buy their first rental property because they spent the money on the workshops, right? So that's why I'm offering oh this. That's what makes me mad. That's why I, I want to uh, provide this tool to everyone so that, you know what, you can do this. It's not like it should cost you $20,000 to do it. I want to make sure, like, you're, you're, you're moving ahead in life not going backwards in life. And that's why it's part of the reason why I'm doing it. And I do that when, while I'm taking my mini retirements. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say are some really powerful resources that people should look up? Could be, it could be yours. It could be others. Well, I would say for sure. Financial com. There's also books out there that I love, not necessarily focused on real estate investing, but The Magic of Thinking Big is, I love reading that book. Um, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari is a game changer for me because that was the book where I saw myself being fat and old with Porsche and a, and a cigarette and is just giving me perspective of what life could look like. And it's about a lawyer who quit his job. Like it was about, so that book really helped me. Um, in terms of real estate investing books, I love the book More Than Cash Flow by Julie Broad. She gives mm. a huge realistic, uh, very realistic about the real estate investing path. And that's what I love about it. She gives the, the good, bad, and the ugly. And that uh, she doesn't sell this pipe dream that you're going to get rich quick and you're going to quit your job and all of a sudden you're like free. No, it takes years to get to that point. And um, so I love that book. And it really gives you a lot of good uh, insight on how to invest in real estate too. So I got a couple of final questions before mm -hmm. I let you go. Okay, yeah. Because I know you got to pick up your twins. Oh, yeah, it's 236. <laughs> how do you... How does the first hour of your day look like? First hour, okay. Routine, oh, or I'm what's a, your ideal? Yeah, it might be like an ideal. Oh, I'm a night owl, so <laughs> I really bad. Now that I'm on my my breaks, is that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I go I go to sleep at one in the morning because I'm a night owl. I love doing my work sometimes late at night, but then I roll out of bed like at nine. So it's because my beautiful husband. It gets my kids ready for school, even though I'm on my break. It's because I do the afternoon Thank you, shift. hubby. Oh, yeah. Awesome. What right? a great, great man. Yeah. So my kids, though, uh, want to see me. So they go into my room, and I do brush their hair. I'm just, like, in the bed brushing their hair. So I still do that. <laughs> brushing their hair. Uh, and then I um, get up. I might read a book or work on Financial Nirvana Mama. Then I have a call with someone um, for related to my financial nirvana mama or um, 
just having conversation with family. And then at lunchtime, I tend to meet up with someone, just like with my friends, just have lunch. And then in the afternoon, I'll go work out. So, and then I'll go pick up my kids. <laughs> that's, my, that's my routine. Uh, it try to kind of changes day to day depending on. And then, of course, I also love just having spontaneous vacations. So I'm going to Napa tomorrow. <laughs> that's great. I love that. <laughs> it's spontaneous. I love that part. And uh, at night, because when my husband comes home, we spend... Um, I guess I would say like a, an Italian dinner or I don't know. It's a, maybe it's like the French dinner where they spend hours talking. So over dinner, my dinner lasts for like an hour and a half. I'd be just talking to my mm. husband over dinner and my, and my kids. So beautiful. <laughs> so we know about the Porsche and the smoke and the cigarette, overweight, <laughs> divorced future. What, what does your future look like now? What do you see for yourself now? Well, I see being surrounded by like-minded women who are who are uh, financially savvy, taking financial controls of their lives. I'm writing a book in the future, well, in the, over the next couple months, and uh, starting a virtual summit so that I start making that dream happen. So. I would love to find more female speakers who are in that investment space so that, you know, we, it's just cultivating that community so that uh, we're surrounded by it. And so that's, what's compelling me. I can't say like, I only could see myself far out like next two years. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you could pivot. <laughs> yeah, I know I could pivot. No, but no, honestly, I'm going to, no, no, <laughs> and of course taking my mini retirements all the time. So I've taken well, that's a, a big, that's the big thing. Yeah. It's a big thing for me. And, um, also though, um, cause like, yeah, last four years, I think I've taken a year and a half off until together. Yeah. All together. Oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> so good. T tell us where we can find you. We can follow you. Well, you can find me financialnirvanamama.com and if there's anyone who is interested in investing or getting started on their real estate investing journey, I have a toolbox there where people can sign up. Uh, you can also find me on Pinterest. I'm a big fan of Pinterest because I get a lot of inspiration from that. So it's Financial Nirvana Mama is my handle. Instagram, I think it's Tracy Moss 7 Facebook is Financial Nirvana Mama too. Amazing. Well, mm -hmm. before I let you go, I want to acknowledge you just because of the person that you are, Tracy. Oh, thank you. You are, you are one of a kind in the way that you live your life, in the way that you live your values. And to me, it's super inspiring to see that in the last four years, your life has transformed in such a significant way that you've taken a year and a half off total in sabbaticals. You're taking these last minute getaways to enjoy the richness of life to actually relish in everything that you've actually accomplished it took a long time there was a hard road uh, to get to where you are but you're actually allowing yourself 
to enjoy it as opposed to racing and racing and moving forward constantly you actually are somebody that i could see like you're spending time with your twins you're doing obstacle races you're putting in new experiences you're finding ways to make an impact in a social way and uh and and, and an entrepreneurial way as well for young women and yeah i celebrate you like this is it's such a such a huge honor to have you come on the show and share your wisdom and share your energy and you're just such a you're a joy to be with ah oh, thank you oliver it's been amazing i love being on the show <laughs> and i love listening to your all your shows all these stories are inspiring thank you so much tracy thank you thanks for being on have a great day you too Hey, it's Oliver again. Before you take off, be sure to get your hands on the show notes and resources from the episode at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Huge thank you to Tracy for coming on the show, sharing her incredible energy, her wisdom, and her story. Make sure to go check out her amazing work at financialnirvanamama.com. Again, on March 2nd and March 3rd of 2019, I am leading the next reinvention roadmap. If you're ready to gain clarity, direction and confidence in navigating your next big breakthrough head over to reinventionroadmap.ca to claim your ticket and use the promo code ohmshow to save yourself 10% off if you'd like to be in touch on the interwebs i'm fairly active these days on instagram you can find me under my full name at oliver manalise i share a ton of posts about life love and leadership and if you have any feedback or suggestions about the show please hit me up with a dm and that is all. It is a true honor to have you as a listener. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next time.